What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. I am actually not introducing a guest other than myself. You're stuck with me today, folks. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Very happy to have you. I have had an interesting week. Um, I've had a couple rescheduled podcasts, so you are you are stuck with me. We. We did a little uh, rewind on Monday, and I wanted to, to give you some new content and give you some new information, just put out another podcast, even if it was by myself. So, here we are. You get me today. It's always a little bit intimidating, I'm not going to lie. Um, I hold myself sometimes to a standard that's unrealistic, and uh, so I'm... I'm kind of putting myself out there. I don't really know what we're going to talk about. I've uh, created a little bit of a um, structure for the podcast uh, that I'm trying to stick to a little bit more uh, for the future. And and I've been trying to do this anyway, but I I just kind of put a little extra thought and extra uh, time into this last week. And so I think I might go through that. I know I've had a lot of people that were interested in kind of hearing my story and hearing about my life. So I think we'll uh, talk a little bit about that, about my life, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there, see what happens. But so the way the structure kind of goes is what my guest, which is myself today, uh, is doing now, kind of current day, job title, where they live, married, single kids, blah, blah, blah. So here we are. Uh, as most of you that are probably listening, you've heard my voice, you've heard some of my stories, you've heard quite a few of my opinions and thoughts, and uh, so it should be interesting to hear a little bit more about me. I currently, um, I'm working on Crazy Face Uno full-time, um, so what that means, what my day-to-day kind of looks like. Um, you know, each day is different to be completely honest, but you know, I'm, I'm constantly working on scheduling, uh, podcasts. I have quite the pipeline going and kind of continually building that out and, and working towards the future. And I want to always do podcasts, continue to do that and continue to put out content that is, um, you know, about people's stories, about people, li- people's lives and, and just to hear more about them so we can find those similarities, kind of bridging those gaps between no matter where we're at in the world, no matter where we're at in, in our communities, uh, we can find those similarities to say, hey, you know what, like so-and-so and so-and-so and John and whoever, <laughs> let's see, this is what you get, John Doe and uh, I was trying to, Jane, what is it, Jane Doe? Uh, they both have these different backgrounds that I'm not familiar with, but man, we have a lot of, lot in common, or we've gone through similar struggles, or you know, our mentality, our mindset, or whatever it is, is, is the same, and we're all just trying to figure life out and, and go through this life to the best of our ability. I was listening to... 
uh, as, as watching it on Netflix, actually, I'm going to pull this up. Um, it is called, I actually have it on audiobook as well. If you listen to the podcast with Bethany by Ozma, um, she mentioned it to me that it'd be something that I'd be interested in. Um, it's by Joseph Campbell and, uh, the power of myth, uh, by Joseph Campbell and B- Bill Moyers. And, uh, oh my goodness, if you have not watched it, it's fascinating. It's so interesting. Um, and he had just talked about it. why I bring it up is he had talked about how, you know, like legitimately where it's this journey, life is the journey, you know, it's cliche to say like the journey is the destination or whatever, but it's really true. And, and, and finding your bliss, um, is kind of how he phrased it is like finding your bliss. And when you're on that rail, when you're on that track, um, you know, there's, it's, it's a special place to be. And we've kind of talked about that, like life on purpose, um, and, you know, following, following, uh, your purpose or, or pursuing your purpose. And when you're, when you're on that, when you're doing that, it, it's just a whole nother, um, experience in the world and you get, man, there's like benefits. There's, there's, you know, he talks about it and, and how, what's the, I'm terrible at re-explaining uh, things I've listened to or heard. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just he talks about it a lot and quite a bit in this little series. It's on Audible. Um, it's on. It's a book. I think they they've typed it out and they've they've made it into a book. But it's also on Netflix. It's called The Power of Myth uh, by Joseph Campbell and Bill Moyer. Uh, Joseph Campbell. If you're not familiar, he's the author of The Hero with a Thousand Faces, uh, which is another book that I'm, I'm interested in reading. He's He's got several books. It's all in myth and different, uh, like his, you know, uh, experience. He's a professor, I believe, and kind of talking about myth. But anyway, um, yeah, I've really been, you know, this project has been me kind of pursuing pursuing that, pursuing a dream, pursuing a passion, pursuing something that I want to pursue and uh, having that creative control over something, which has been really, um, it's been great. It's also, it's been a struggle. I realize my limitations um, on my own quite often and, and full transparency this week has been, it's been an interesting week. You know, I struggle with my own like self-doubt, my own, my own struggles every day. And I'm saying it because, man, I'm bringing it back to, I'm even bringing it back to, uh, oh, maybe it was something different, but just voicing it and putting it into the world. Like, have you said it? And, uh, have you, have you spoke it into, to existence? Have you, have you said what your issue is? And I think that a lot of times when you when you can kind of own it and you give you give a voice you give words uh, to maybe your struggles to the things you want to the things you need um, you know it 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 almost takes the power against you away um, especially your struggles you know that that struggle that you're going through now this doesn't mean you 
go out and air out all your dirty laundry and, you know, just say whatever you want. But, um, you know, I think that there are times when it's important to be like, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is this is a struggle of mine and kind of keeps you honest, gives you some integrity. Oh, well, um, more about me. So, yeah, I, we my wife and I, we just moved to Coconut Creek, Florida. If you're just tuning in, you, you're just learning of that. If you've uh, if you're new to the show. Uh, so we live in Coconut Creek, Florida. It's South Florida, just north of Fort Lauderdale in Miami, um, about, you know, 30, 45 minutes without traffic. Um, just south of Disney World, about three hours, four hours. So if you are uh, in the area, let us know. Um, love to, to keep in touch or, or touch base with uh, some of our old friends or, you know, even make some new friends. So if you are in the Coconut Creek area, South Florida area, uh, make a comment. Have a comment on uh, on Instagram and uh, shoot us a, a, a DM and let us know. Maybe we can double date or, you know, grab dinner. We love food. Um, you know, sit and chat. We'd love to. So always, always open to meeting new people. I do have to say, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but part of my family's life, which is my wife and I, is uh, our fur baby, Chancy Poo. You can see more pictures of him on uh, Instagram at the Chancy, the Chancy Poo, the Chancy Poo. Um, he's got his own little Instagram, something fun we do every once in a while and throw some pictures up. Uh, he's currently snoring, sitting underneath my feet, uh, so enjoy that. Kind of his his mo. Um, what else? Yeah, my wife uh, she got a promotion uh, at work. She worked uh, in Minneapolis at a medical manufacturing company that uh, medical device company um, that brought us here and it was kind of an internal transfer that, that brought us down to this area and we're living life and, and, uh, making the most of the time here. I actually, I really enjoy, uh, Florida. I've enjoyed the time that I've been here. You know, I, I do really love and, and there's very few people in this world, I think that don't, but I really do love the beach and, um, yeah, just sand between your toes and the sun, and it's just a nice thing to be able to go to and just get away, and there's a peace that you kind of get when you're there, and here maybe it's hearing the waves crash against the, you know, the sand or the shore, and um, something about sand between your toes and, and that salt water. There's a smell. I've been talking about that with my wife. Uh, I'm excited for her, t- for us to, like, go away from here and then come back. Uh, there's just like a smell to that saltwater air that you really notice it when you first, you know, move somewhere, move down or you first arrive in, in like a Gulf area or like a ocean side area. And, uh, I, you get used to it and I, I really love that smell. There's just something about that saltwater air that there's something nostalgic about it. Maybe it's my time in San Diego. I, I'm not sure, but I really love it. I enjoy it. I was checking the temperature this morning. I was messaging my mom and 
she had reached out to me and was talking about the fall weather and the fall leaves. You know, it's something that fall is beautiful. Um, I love fall. I, I always, I always said that the fall, like fall time, was my favorite season. And then I moved out to San Diego for a few years and and lived out there. And I don't get me wrong, I, I miss the seasons. I, I like seeing the the leaves change, um, but I I'm fine with it not being in my life. I like seeing the pictures and um, seeing the the leaves change. That's for sure. But I don't know. I'm okay with uh, without it. It is 84 degrees here today this morning. At about nine nine o'clock, I don't know what time it is now to be honest, but earlier this morning it was about eighty four degrees. It's been pretty humid lately, but uh, it's good. It's great. Sun's out, and depending on how much work I get done today, I might take a little stroll down to the beach and relax a bit and kick the the weekend off a little early. Uh, got podcasts lined up this weekend and. You know, got got a pretty busy weekend. So, what else can I tell you? Uh, like I said, I am married. You can check out my wife's podcast. She's got a couple that she's been on. Um, we have uh, our dog named Chance. He's an American Staffordshire Bull Terrier. He's got three legs. He's a cutie. It's a little tripod. He was hit by a car um, in Texas, San Antonio area. Uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and we he was rescued and brought to, ended up finding himself in Minnesota where we just moved from, and uh, my wife, through connections uh, at work, she found out about him, and the rest is history. He is now our pooch, and we love him very much. He, we're that couple that allows him to sleep in the bed with us, so he uh, he's a, very much a part of our, our family. So we love him very, very much. Right, dude? He's he's uh, dreaming down here. His one back leg's just kicking away. So, All right, well, let's dig in a little bit now that I have been rambling about nonsense for the last 14 minutes here. Um, let's go back to childhood. And one of the questions, and, and if you've been listening... Uh, that I've been asking has been, what was your childhood like? And I love this question. I am an only child. I, I have a stepbrother and sister. They came along a little bit later in life, uh, junior, senior year of high school. So I grew up uh, most of my life as as an only child, which, you know, it, something else that people say a lot on here is, well, I just don't know any different. Uh, I, you know, I don't know any different and, and I'm feel very similarly to that. Like I just, I didn't know any different growing up. I always wanted siblings. I always wanted, you know, um, people to hang out with. I thought it would be fun. I thought it, you know, it'd be good to have this companion, this person to run around with. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think that very much that being a part of my life is, is definitely, um, help shape who I am today. And, uh, my childhood was good. I, I have a lot of really good memories about my childhood. 
if you go back and you listen, you know, I've done podcasts with my family, you know, my mom, my grandma, uh, my dad, and uh, you can hear a little bit more in depth about, you know, some of some of life and some of, you know, my childhood for sure. When I was born, my, my mother was diagnosed with cancer shortly after I was born, and uh, it was a rare form of breast cancer, and so she had a lot of, you know, health issues at a younger age, um, at, at my young age, and, and my grandma, my dad was in school, and he was uh, going to school at the time, and so he was busy as well, and so my grandma really stepped in and helped our family out, um, and helped raise me, especially the first couple of years of my life, and my grandma, Della, Paul, she's a very special lady in my life, um, I always say that she's the most important person in my life, um, I love her very much. There's a connection. There's a bond that we have that is uh, is amazing. I, I I really cherish my relationship with my grandma. And I remember, man, so many different things. I remember we would, one of the stories I can tell you about when I was younger was I I always loved playing with like candles and wax. And I don't know, we had this like, I don't even know what I was doing to be completely honest, but, uh, she had a candle and I started playing with the wax and, you know, kind of as the candle would melt, I would make little designs or, you know, pull the the wax into different parts of the plate that it was sitting in. And, um, you know, I was using toothpicks and different things. And at some point in time, you know, of course you can see what's, what's about to happen, but is, uh, there was, a little bit of fire that took place and it kind of got a little bit bigger than it needed to and should have. And we, we, uh, we kind of freaked out for a second and ended up getting, you know, getting it taken care of, but it's anticlimactic story, but it's way funnier than, um, maybe if, if she was here to help tell the story and help explain some of the details, I was so young, but those are kind of the shenanigans. I remember, um, she had, I can, I can picture, she still lives in the same house that she's lived for my entire life. And so my grandma, Della and, uh, my dad's parents, Edith and, um, Doug. So they've both passed away. Now my dad still owns that house. So it's still in the family at the moment. But, um, one of the things that I find comforting because my family and I don't really have moved a lot and and my parents don't live in the same places as like growing up or anything like that um those homes feel like home my grandma Della her house feels like home and uh so same with my uh my other side of the my dad's side of the family like there's just something comforting about those homes that I've I've always known for I'm 31 years old so for 31 years they've that's those have been the two most stable and stagnant uh, places uh, as far as a building or home that I've had in my life. And so those places, you know, there's so many memories there. I would go out into our garden. They always had this big, big garden. And I remember one side was the flowers and my grandma had her flowers and like the first couple rows 
Um, and then it was tomatoes and then it was the other plants, you know, peppers and whatever. And then on the very far end, she'd had, she had, um, strawberry, um, you know, plants down on the, the other side. And so it was kind of like all the vegetables and stuff were in the middle and the, the, um, strawberries were on the other end and my grandma was a cook so she would use all that she would can the food she would you know make pies make you know desserts and things out of the strawberries and um oh man I just remember all those different things I love fishing growing up so I was uh I love going fishing and I'd, I'd always try to I love bugs and insects as well um I remember you know spending time there and and I always had my butterfly nets, is what I called them, and my little, like, uh, oh, I don't know what they're called, I mean, they're, like, insect homes, or whatever, it's what they, they're just cages, but they, like, have the wire mesh, or, like, the wire screen, and then they were, like, a, um, like, a semicircle, or, like, a half, uh, an oval cut in half, uh, kind of deal elongated semicircle um with like a little you know opening where you could stick a bug or stick whatever the insect and I'd always collect bugs and I had a bunch of those and I'd I'd stick them in there um you know I'd catch like big praying mantis I made the the mistake of putting a female and a male in together and they did their thing when they mate and then the female chops off its head and uh yeah, I learned that at a young age, that that's what happens, and, uh, man, um, what else could I say? My grandma's house, so yeah, if you walk in her front door, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you through her home, when you walk in the front door, they've moved things around a little bit, but, um, I believe the way it is right now is, when you first walk in, the TV is on this, like, little TV stand, it's right there next to the, the, this big window, this bay window, sitting right there and there's a couch on the left side a couch on the right side and then a chair back in the corner next to the tv so you couldn't see the tv if you were in that chair um it used to be how it was and I, I honestly couldn't tell you if that's still how it is today um and then to the right when you first walk in the door is was is my grandparents room so that was where my grandparents always lived and then right next to that um further down the house like the next uh, room over was um, like the spare bedroom. And when I was, when that was, uh, when they had kids, when my mom and Steven were alive, that was their bedrooms. Um, there was 10 years between my mom and, and her brother. And so, you know, when they, they had another little room off the bathroom that was a, a bedroom, um, for a bit. And, and, uh, but once my mom moved out, excuse me, I'm going to have a little coffee. Um, I believe my uncle moved into that, uh, room as well. And then there's like the little, you know, like another little like family living room area. There's a antique wooden hutch, uh, that was my great, great grandpa's and, uh, my, that is a family heirloom that my grandpa wanted whenever, uh, his dad passed away. There's a little couch on the right side there. And, um, my grandma has this big, uh, like a china cabinet, uh, where she's got like all of her nice, uh, dishes and, um, 
you know, different figurines and whatnot. And then there's the bathroom to the right and still got, you know, used to be is like the old sink that was still in there. And, um, there was a scale back and they had a closet area as a big closet, which was one of the bedrooms that I was kind of talking about. And there was always this big scale in there. And I always loved to go stand on the scale and, and measure my height and my weight when I was younger. And, um, yeah, she always, that was like their storage space. So like a little cupboard, they'd put their, you know, toilet paper and the, um, paper towels and extra canned goods and whatever else it was, kind of a little storage space they always used. Um, my grandpa had his socks that were in there, uh, his like dresser and, uh, oh, I think that was also where he used to keep his guns. They were up on a rack um, above his his dresser there. And he had his shotgun and his different things and that were that were in there. And then if you keep moving on through the house, um, so if you go back out and, and through the house, there's the kitchen, and uh, that's where the fire incident that I was telling you about took place. It was. Uh, it's just a memorable time. I don't know why that was such a, we laughed so hard about it afterwards. And my mom and my grandma were just sitting there talking, but that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of good times were had was in that little kitchen right there. And, uh, yeah. So then later on in life, they added on. And so they have an addition. It's kind of like the, the main family room where everybody kind of hangs out and sits and used to be just a porch that just went straight off the back. And into the backyard where there's a a chicken coop, chicken house. They never had chickens as far as I know. And um, it's still full of antiques and full of a bunch of different stuff. They also have a big old barn that's down uh, down the way on the other side of the garden. Um, And they live out in the middle of nowhere. It's a little town called Gilead, Indiana. If you're interested, you should definitely look it up on a map. Um... You know, it's probably less than 50 people. Um, The Amish have um, kind of called this area their home now and kind of moved into the area. There's a a large number of Amish um, people that that have kind of came into that area and started making that their home and raising their family. Um, You know, the different fields, so they've got, you know, lots of pasture for their horses and for their animals and... uh, it's just been a been an area that they've uh, begun to call home. Uh, man, one other memory I have was my grandma always had it's like those old school desks um, with the little. It didn't lift up, but it had like the little slot underneath. Uh, she had one of those, and there was a bunch of books down in there. Ah, maybe it did lift up, but there was a bunch of books down in there nonetheless, and that was where she had all these books. And so I'd get a bath and I'd want her to read these books to me uh, when I was super, super little. That was like our thing. And so, um, yeah, I just have the one that sticks out to me is, uh, there was like Bambi was in there. There was a Mickey Mouse one. Um, I called Mickey Mouse Mickey Guck when I was little. That was like the thing. And then Smokey the Bear, for whatever reason, that one sticks out to me as well. I was remembering those uh, those old stories. Um, it's a good time. 
but nonetheless, my grandma is a, is a very important person in my life. And her husband, Verdon, my grandpa, still alive. He is, uh, they're both still live in that same house. And uh, yeah, my grandpa had a stroke several years back. And it's, uh, he's got dementia um, from that. It's caused some dementia. And um, he's a diabetic. And so there's there's been some issues and been some things that have came up with that. And which is unfortunate, puts a lot of stress and a lot of, uh, a lot of work on my grandma, who's, you know, getting older as well, but she is, uh, the most amazing cook in the world. So I have been able to learn. I feel like a lot from my grandma of learning how to cook and, and watching. And, and I love, I think maybe that's why I love to cook so much now is just because of her, um, you know, her career, I guess. Uh, she was a, a, the head cook at an elementary school for over 30 years, or around 30 years, and um, I had some very fond memories of going into that kitchen and helping her out and, you know, learning and, and observing and watching how things go. And um, ah, I love it. There's like, there's a, if you haven't picked up, there's uh, smells or something like I, I have this. I don't know if it's a stronger sense of smell than anybody, but I have a very strong sense of smell. And I remember the smell of like those kitchens whenever I'd walk in there and, and help her out. And uh, the smell of the back room where all the, the canned goods were. And um, I don't know. There's just like it's like a nostalgic uh, smell that comes from that. But yeah, growing up myself, so I was, until the age of two, I lived, uh, you know, in that area where my grandparents live, Akron, Indiana is where my dad's side of the family, and then my mom's side of the family still lives uh, in Gilead, you know, my grandma, Della, and, and Verdon. And so until I was two, I, I lived there with my mom and my dad, and then we moved to a little town in Illinois called Buda, Illinois. Um, my dad was a pastor. Uh, he was a pastor there in Butte, Illinois. And, um, so I grew up in this little house across from a Casey's grocery store, or Casey's uh, like general store. I've got the gas and you know the pizza and uh, the little kitchens back there, and like your classic convenience store. And uh, I have very fond memories of that. And if you listen to uh, the podcast I just did. Um, on Wednesday with, uh, we, with Natalie, uh, Simodia, I, I mentioned just different places that my dad would always go in the morning and kind of shoot the shit and have conversation and talk and whatever. And Casey's was one of those places. It's kind of where I started off. I'd go over to Casey's with my dad and get a donut. And, uh, yeah, I just, I have very good memories of that place as well. There was this big tree, um, I want to say it was an oak tree in the back and I, I guess it wasn't super big, but it seemed big to me cause I was little and I, I wanted to, I would always climb that tree. It was like my tree. And that was, uh, one of my fond memories. I can, I can see that tree. Um, I remember a story. I had spent some time with my grandma's or my grandparents. And like I said, they live out in the middle of nowhere and I came home and I had picked up a little bit of a a habit and I would just go behind the 
the chicken house and I would, you know, pee in the tall grass behind there when I was little. And, uh, so I thought I could do that at my house and it was in the front yard, uh, next to the bushes. And <laughs> needless to say, uh, my parents put a kibosh to that and made sure I, I didn't do that. And right across the street from the Casey's and the, uh, main street that ran through this little town of Buda, Illinois. Um, I remember I was always, um, really obsessed, I guess, or I was really, I loved insects and I loved rocks. So I would go out into the, the rock bed and I, they paved a, or built a garage behind this house and they put all fresh new rocks out and I would go out there and I would dig through these rocks and I'd look through these rocks and look for these, I don't know even what specific ones I was looking for. I just knew it when I saw it. I was like, oh, I really like that one. And I'd collect these rocks in a bucket and I never really do too much with them, but I always loved them. I always loved rocks and gyms and I had, uh, you know, I have Cherokee, Native American, um, in my family. And so I, I think that's another thing that reason that I was obsessed with, but like, I really liked, uh, Native American figurines and, um, rocks. And those were, those are things I had a lot of interest in. I, I had my dresser and I would put, I had these like rabbit skins, just put the rabbit skins out. And I had these like Native American, you know, paraphernalia basically these these eagles and uh these like statues of like a chief head um that i'd have sitting and i'd, I'd decorate it decorate my my dresser to look a specific way my grandma so the school that she worked at was the north miami and they were the warriors um and i don't know if that had something to do with it too like I always saw those in her house, those figurines and those types of things. But those were the things I got for my birthday. A lot of times were those different, like big old Eagle, um, like figurines with, you know, Indian native American, um, you know, paraphernalia, whether it was just whatever it was. I don't know. I don't know. There were so many different things, but that was always something I, I loved growing up. Oh man, uh, Buda. Uh, there was a funny story. I had uh, we had a garden there. My my family's always been into gardening. My family's always been you know um, something I really value as a child was sitting down to dinner every night with my family, with my mom and my dad, and um, you know growing up in. Uh, the Christian home that I did, we'd, you know, our, our thing was we'd always sit down, we'd, we'd say a prayer, we'd, we'd give thanks to the food that we had and, um, and then we'd eat and, and my mom and I don't know if my dad did too much, but my mom was, was the one that, you know, cooked most of the time growing up and these homemade meals and she was always the best cook as well. My mom is a fantastic cook and I've got a whole line of, uh, fantastic cooks in my, my life and my family. I've learned a lot from them. I love to cook now. I, I'm the one that cooks at home and there's a creative process of, of cooking. That's just so fun and, and enjoyable and kind of the manipulation and the creativity that you get 
through cooking. I don't know. Something special. I really enjoy it. I love food so much. I would eat until I would blow up if I could. Um, I love flavor. I love tasting things. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's one of the things that I really cherish as as a child. We didn't not eat at the dinner table very often. It was just the thing we did. And it was every night. And it was just that time that we got to spend with each other. And I really, really appreciate that. I really, really value that that time, those, those moments. I think it was a special time. Um, there's something special about meals in general in life when you're able to sit down and share a meal with someone, um, you know, you give them your attention, you give them this space, this time, uh, you get to hold that space, uh, together and sharing of food. It's a, you know, it's a special thing. I, I think, you know, so many people, so many families and lives, we, you know, myself, we get busy and we forget to take that time to kind of just be still and, and engage each other and talk with each other and talk with one another. And, um, still something that, you know, my wife and I, we still do. And oftentimes we'll throw something on the TV, but that's our time to, to catch up. It's like, Hey, how was your day? You know, what's going on? What would you do? What'd you do today? Like, oh, that stinks, or oh, that's awesome, or whatever it is, and, you know, we talk about what's to come, the future, and, you know, what we're going to do this weekend, or what we're going to do in the next couple of days, or hey, do you want to do this, or did you check that out, and, um, it's just a special time, I think that those moments, uh, the moment around a, a dinner table, the moment of sharing food, and um, nourishing yourself in that way, both with company and with food and with just holding that time together. I think it's special. There you go. I'm going to have another sip of coffee here. Woo, man, just cruising right along. So it was uh, beautiful, Illinois, and we're still, this would be first grade for me. It was halfway through the, the winter time, I believe, of my first grade year, kind of spring, winter, that we moved to uh, Charleston, Illinois. And I lived in Charleston, Illinois from first grade till sixth grade, and we, we moved again there. Charleston was, uh, my, my dad pastored a church there, Charleston, um, East Harrison Street Church of God is what I believe it was called. Um. Tony Romo went to school at Eastern Illinois, which is in Charleston, Illinois. That's a football player for the Dallas Cowboys. There you go. There's their claim to fame. But I was always big into sports. I feel like this was the time that I started to really get into and started to um, learn my yeah, my love for, for sports. Um, I started playing soccer. That was one of the first ones. I played a little swarm ball. If you're a parent out there and, and you have a child that's in soccer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, so we lived there. We lived in a 
called a parsonages the the church provided a home for us and it was right next to the church and it was out in in the country just outside of town and so we were surrounded by fields um and they would alternate year in and year out it'd be beans corn beans corn every once in a while they'd double up but um they'd go back and forth and so we always had you know each year it was different but um but it was it was a fun time. There's a tree in the front yard that I would climb. The church had this big parking lot, and so I had rollerblades and I'd rollerblade. And you know, being an only child, this was the time that I really I started to it was a coming of age kind of time of my life, I guess. And uh, this allowed me to I think it it really spurred my creativity. Um, you had to get creative. Like I I didn't have siblings and. Um, you know, a lot of times my mom was around, especially in the summers, she was home, but my dad working next door, it it allowed her to, you know, she had a job and she worked as well. And so it allowed her to kind of go and do her own thing. And if I needed anything, I just went over to the church and said, Hey dad, like, you know, and he would time for lunch, like, let's go. And so he'd come over to the house and fix lunch. Like legitimately, it was just the parking lot between us. So it, it was I mean, I grew up in a church. I grew up running around the church and, you know, running through the basement or running through whatever it was. It was just a thing that I did. Man, what is going on out there? Oh, it is pouring rain. So we're getting a little rain shower here today. I was like, what is that sound? Um, But yeah, so... They ended up adding on and, and building on to that church, and there was a big dirt mound in the back. And I remember I would take my bike, and I made little ramps, and I'd, I'd run my bike as fast as I could, and I'd ramp up these this hill and try to like ramp off. Of, I'd crash so hard sometimes, and um, I think I learned you know some toughness that way. And I couldn't just run to my dad, and you know I, I don't know I I feel like I was a tough little kid, and you know, I was getting binged up and hurting myself. And I would do like, I'd do the same. I'd put these like little board up and on bricks or whatever. And I'd try to like ramp with my bike, um, with that too. And, uh, I would set up, I had like a hockey stick and, you know, like the little hockey ball and I'd play, I was inspired by the mighty ducks. I loved the mighty ducks growing up. That was one of my favorite movies, that series. Um, I had a slingshot, one of those little slingshots, and I'd got to have a lot of fun with that. I remember one time I, I was always trying to, always trying to hit a bird, or you know, mostly birds. There weren't really much else. And I remember I finally there was one time I I finally hit one, but I just kind of like stunned it, and I felt so bad, and I I felt like the worst person ever it it just made me feel so so sad um ended up you know it ended up being fine and flying away but I remember just feeling so bad about shooting this this bird I don't know if it ever stopped me from doing it again but um (laughs) I just felt really bad about it I don't know I had a golf club so I would you know I had all this big backyard so I'd, I'd hit the golf clubs around I hit a golf ball around I, I when they shuck the or when they would uh harvest the field I would go and 
I'd get the pieces, the corn cob, you know, the corn stock corn uh, cob pieces that still had corn on it, and I'd shuck that corn into a bucket, and I'd go looking for that. Um, still bugs and butterflies and whatever. I, I would. This was more in Charleston, but I would catch these caterpillars, and they'd spin their cocoons, and I, you know, I'd put them. Like I said, I was obsessed with them, so I'd put these in these jars, and they'd spin these their webs or their cocoons on the webs. Um, and then they'd hatch and, uh, it was always a really cool process to, to be a part of, you know, and it wasn't through school. It was just something that I learned about. I had these books and bug books and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'd play soccer. I would, I had to get creative. I remember that, that, like I mentioned before, I had that big, uh, dirt mound in the backyard and it was in like the parking lot and I would climb this big dirt mound and I grabbed a shovel and I'd dig these big, you know, these big holes and I would pretend to make these booby traps and, uh, and play like, I don't know what I was playing, I made up some scenario in my head and would play these out, um, all by myself. So these were all, all things I would do by myself and Maybe it makes sense as to why my brain is always thinking nowadays. I, my brain never shuts off, I swear. Um, but yeah, this was a, a big part of my life at that time, for sure. Soccer really grew again. Um, I started, you know, getting more and more involved with soccer. And I would got on different travel teams. And this is kind of where I started my, you know, baseball and, and soccer. But soccer, I started... I got on different travel teams. I would go to the different uh, soccer camps and really sharpening my skills and learning how to play soccer. Um, started playing baseball as well, and it got to be the point where I was, you know, I was on a like a twelve-year-old Bambino, I don't know, uh, all-star team with baseball, and I was on these travel leagues with soccer, and and we were doing that every weekend. And eventually, it came to the point where my parents were like, "You got to pick one." And it's too much for, for us to run around. You know, I, I couldn't go to games, soccer games, because I had baseball games or vice versa. And so there's just too much conflict and too much conflicting with one another. And I ended up choosing soccer. And I guess that kind of is a prequel to the rest of my life in some ways. Like soccer really opened the doors and opened, opened my eyes to a lot of different things and a lot of different experiences in my life. Um, so, yeah, we um, that it was at Charleston that my dad uh, left the ministry and we got out of there. And for a year we stayed, this was my sixth grade year, we stayed. And I think we just rented this little house in town. And so we had this little house and little neighborhood. And I'd ride my bike around that neighborhood all the time. And that's where I started, you know, I, I rode the bus to school. And, um, you know, I, I did that when I was younger too, I guess. Uh, I'd ride the bus when I was when I was little. Um, even in, in Charleston, but I, I, I guess I remember it more, um, there I'd ride the bus to and from school and, and my mom worked at a, she was worked in special education. And so in elementary school, she worked at, at my elementary school. She was in the first grade or second grade classroom or whatever it was. And, uh, she worked with a blind autistic boy. Um, and, uh, that was who she primarily worked with. And, and it was really, you know, that was just something I, I grew up with. I would ride to school with my mom usually. And, um, 
yeah, I would I would spend time in that classroom and and got to know this you know this very unique uh, special group of of kids, and you know I, later on in life I worked in special education myself and I I just always been around it. It was just been something I never thought twice about it. It was just these are you know kids that need someone to support them and to love them and to, uh, to help them along. And, uh, so yeah, so I, I spent time in that classroom a lot. My mom, I remember, I I don't know the timeline, but I know at least in my sixth grade year, she was working with a, with a gal, uh, a lady, a a woman in high school and she was her one-on-one aide. And so I would take the bus to school she would drive to school then I would take the bus from the elementary school to the high school and then I'd come into the um, school and I, we would leave together from there um, it felt like the longest walk and I started playing the saxophone when I was in Charleston that sixth grade year and I remember having I was just this little little runt and uh I remember carrying my big old saxophone case and I felt like it was the heaviest thing in my book bag and uh, it was just the worst. I remember hating it. It was like that trek from the bus stop all the way through the school to find my mom was always, uh, I dreaded it. I remember dreading it. I don't know if she ever knew that I, that I dreaded it, but, um, it was there that I really started fishing and, you know, my dad and I would go down to the river um, and we'd fish there and we had a few different places that we'd go and he'd take me and to these different ponds or different places that we, we knew people and, um, they'd let us fish their ponds and fish their places. And that was when I, I really learned and, and grew to love, you know, um, uh, the outdoors, I think as well. Oh, one thing I didn't mention down the street from the church where we lived and the house that we lived there. Um, probably like a mile and a half down the road, there was this lady who had, I don't know why she had them. I was too young to really understand. I should ask my parents about this, but she had all these like exotic animals. So she had like, I think two or three spider monkeys. She had a couple other little monkeys there. She had a kangaroo at one time or, uh, um, she had pigs, she had ducks, she had chickens, she had, snakes she had I mean you name it she had it she had this one uh uh baboon it was like the the ones with like the red butts <laughs> I think we used to call it the red butt monkey but she had a couple of those too and uh one time they got it got loose and um it was like out in the wild and they couldn't they didn't know where it was and us being just down the road like they had this area locked down um you know they feared that it was dangerous and if it got near people like it wasn't afraid of people and they were afraid it might harm people so we uh anyway we got this notice you know and we get home and i don't know what had happened but we walked into our house and the back screen door was like wide open so we'd been gone all day and our like back door was like open and my mom and I were were terrified I think that we even like ran back to the car and like had to sit in the car and wait until my dad or somebody came and kind of like walked through the house to make sure no, there wasn't a monkey in our house um 
but I don't even remember how that turned out, but I just remember that whole experience. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of going to the soccer games at, at Eastern Illinois and, and cheering on the Panthers. Um, we were friends with a lot of the, the women's team. And so I had a really close connection to some of those players. And I used to think they were just the coolest things. And, um, you know, I look back and it's so funny how you perceive different things or perceive people at different ages, you know, and little kids, you, you perceive people at differently. And I used to think that, uh, those girls that were playing soccer and even the, the, the guys felt untouchable because I didn't really know them very well, but it felt so special to be able to go over and, and like say hi and, um, go meet the players and, and, you know, get high fives from them and taking their, you know, being a part of their camps. It was also, you know, you have this added thing. Like I got to know them through the camps and then, you know, I'd, I'd ball boy. I always loved to try to like go and get the balls when they'd kick them over the net or whatever. And I felt like I was the most special person beginning to go take them over to the other side and give them to the, the team or whatever. I always felt like the coolest thing. Sometimes I would ball boy, I'd be like the little ball boy. And so if the ball got out of bounds, I'd throw him the ball and go get the, you know. Um, so that was really special. Uh, another story I have is I remember there, I, this was like the first time I really kind of learned to hustle. And uh, there was this wintry, you know, snowy winter. And I started going to my neighbors and I started shoveling their their driveways and their sidewalks and it ended up being I don't think I did it other than just like doing it it started off but then they started giving me money and so I just go up and knock on the door and be like hey can I shovel your driveway or shovel, shovel your shovel your sidewalk and the, generally the first question is like well what are you charging and I'd be like whatever you think I'm worth you know, whatever you think it's worth or whatever, whatever you want, like it doesn't matter. And, uh, which, you know, sometimes played to my benefit and sometimes it didn't, but, uh, that was my hustle. And I, I ended up making like 150, 200 bucks or I don't know, between a hundred and $200 that year. And it was the first year that I had ever been able to buy all my family, uh, Christmas gifts. So I got everybody. And I think from that point on, I, I pretty much had bought my family Christmas gifts and, kind of a cool little thing to do and we moved after that year so my sixth grade year we moved and we ended up going to it was that summer uh going into my seventh grade year we moved to Sullivan Indiana which is where I went to middle school and high school and Sullivan um it was a it was a good little town it was a nice little town I I have a lot of fond memories there as well um Super small town, you know, I mean, it, it smaller than Charleston, bigger than, way bigger than, I think it's like 26,000, I want to say, that could be wrong, I could look this up while we're doing this, but, um, yeah, I, you know, this is kind of when I started to have a little more freedom um, in... I feel like my life, um, you know, it's like the 12, 13, you know, mark kind of that area. And my mom and my dad would give me a little bit more leeway. Um, 
again, it was a small enough town that uh, my dad, he ended up working, he worked in town. He was, uh, he worked as a, he got his real estate license. And so he worked close enough for me to just ride my bike to his work. So if I need anything, I could just go to his work and ride my bike there. And, um, and then my mom, she generally had the summers off. Uh, she worked at uh, the the middle school in special education. That's kind of where um, I'm trying to look up Sullivan, Indiana. Um, that's where she had. Oh, I was way off. Population is in 2011. The population was 4,224. <laughs> so we'll just say around 5,000, which I feel like that's gone down. Cause I, I remember a six being in there. I feel like it was like 6,000 maybe at one point in time, but anyway, here we are. Um, yeah. So she worked at the school. Uh, she, she did some other things in the summer and, uh, so like sometimes she was around, sometimes she had stuff she was doing, but, um, it was at that age where I, I, I had that freedom. My, my parents gave me that freedom and I could ride my bike around and, you know, do whatever. And I started mowing lawns around that time uh, with my dad working at the real estate. Century 21 is where he worked. It kind of gave me the opportunity, you know, when they needed somebody to mow a lawn for a yard or whatever, I could go do that. And so I'd make, you know, 20, 25 bucks every time I'd mow somebody's yard and started getting different gigs and different, you know, things through that. And, uh, that was, uh, uh, the way that I kind of started that hustle, I guess, as, a as I continued on, um, as I got older, continued to fish, continued. I, I was a little, I don't know. It was, that was an interesting period of time in my life. Uh, seventh and eighth grade year. Um, probably one of the hardest times. I don't really talk about it too much in my life, but I, you know, I, I was bullied quite a bit and, um, was definitely one of the hardest moments of my life. Hardest times in my life. I, I just really had a hard time. Uh, I, I wanted to fit in. I, I came from, you know, Charleston where I pretty much, I knew everybody, everybody knew me and, we were all close and, you know, it was elementary school. I feel like it was just, you just accepted people. Everybody was just, yeah, you grew up with everybody. So you just knew who they were. And then moving to Sullivan where I guess it's probably the same for them, but, um, you know, now I'm the outsider, the new person and I dress differently or dressed weird. I remember I wore, I'll never remember, I'll never forget because I, I never did it again, but I wore a turtleneck to, to school one day and, uh, middle school. And I, I didn't do that again. That was the last time I believe I ever wore a turtleneck out in public outside of, uh, cutting weight for wrestling. (laughs) Um, yeah, I just, I got, you know, teased and made fun of, and, um, you know, punched, pushed, picked on. I, I dreaded, I dreaded uh, after lunch. I dreaded lunch in general, you know, like the classic thing. I was like, didn't know where to sit, didn't know where you fit in. People would, you know, 
razz you and give you a hard time, make fun of you. And, um, and then afterwards you'd walk from the, the, um, cafeteria to the little gym that we had that was not connected to the, the middle school. And, and it was like from that point to there, it was always bad. And, you know, people would, you know, whatever, like you'd get knocked down or pushed or, um, picked on and then you get to the gym and it didn't get any better and, um, just kind of continued to get razzed and pushed or basketball thrown at you and, um, you know, knocked over and I, I love sports. So I'd always want to like, you know, play or whatever, but just never really was that great of a thing for me at that period of time in my life. And I was like the little, I don't know, little duck in a big pond. I just had a really hard time uh, during that time. Throughout that time, I was still playing soccer. They didn't really have a, a soccer program at the middle school. The the high school had just started one up my eighth grade year. They had finally started up a soccer program. So I ended up playing in a travel league that was about 30 minutes north of our house uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. And so my family would take me up there. Uh, like two or three days a week and I'd practice and then we'd on the weekends we'd go and travel to wherever the the matches the games were and you know the tournaments or whatever it was and um yeah once I got out of middle school and and went to high school um I finally started to find my like my group of people it was like finally we were all like little ducks and a big pond and uh you know people start stop picking on me I, I found my group of people and the soccer team and you know having pretty much the most experience on the team and allowed me the opportunity to really kind of have that i don't know if influence but a little bit more respect and people kind of respected me a little bit more and it was through soccer that i actually found out about wrestling and, and was talked into wrestling and i believe it was jared purtle and uh jade mccammon and chase um oh what was his last name well anyway it doesn't matter chase i dated his sister uh erica and uh it was those three guys for sure and i'm sure there was somebody else i'm i'm leaving out but those three guys were the ones we were on a bus and they were like you should you should join you know wrestling you should join the team and they needed a uh, like lightweight guy and you know the the little guys I, I ended up wrestling 112 was my freshman year and I I mean I could have wrestled 10 I think it was 103 at the time um, I wasn't I didn't weigh very much <laughs> and uh, there were definitely times when I was at that weight but I didn't know any better at the time so I wrestled 112 and that's what we needed somebody at that weight so it worked out well for us So it was high school, like I said, that kind of I started to hit my stride, um, really got to shine on the soccer team. Um, you know, it was tough sledding the first couple of years of my wrestling career, but it was after that that I really started to uh, grasp things and, and take off. And I'd played, I contribute my success in wrestling a lot to the fact that I played soccer all my life and I played this team sport that you're only as good as your team you know it, it's a team mentality to then going to 
wrestling and where it's what you put into it. It's, uh, it's, you get out what you put in and if you want to work hard and, and I was always a hard worker, I always worked my tail off. Um, I always worked really hard in sports. I wouldn't say I did in my, uh, <laughs> studies or school or anything like that at that point in time. Uh, I just didn't really care about that kind of thing very much, but, um, I did all right. But yeah, I started really putting the time in and, um, I had great coaches. I had great people around me and my coaches in soccer and wrestling were two of the, my, I don't know. They're, they're two of the people that I look back on that time that I appreciate and respect the most. Um, yeah, I, Tom Lehe was my soccer coach. Uh, he was a conservation officer in the town and man, he, he had my back. He, he, he treated me very well and very kind. And, um, same with Roy, uh, Roy Monroe was my wrestling coach. And both of those guys, the looking back now, after being a coach myself, I, I look at their lives and I, and I, how they brought me in and took me in as their own. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that you can't really, it's probably frowned upon these days, kind of the way they, they took me in. Um, you know, I went fishing with, with Tom, he took me to, you know, this out on his boat and we went fishing together, which was really fun. And then, um, he, we like Roy would always, we'd play poker after tournaments and stuff like, um, the team and, and at his house and, um, during the freestyle and Greco season, he'd be like, just come on over and, and we'll leave first thing in the morning. So, you know, a group of us would go and we'd sleep on his floor, sleep on his couch or whatever it was. And, uh, we'd get up and, and head out to the tournament the next day. And I just always had my back. And this is a time period. My sophomore year, I believe was when, uh, sophomore, junior year was when my parents, they ended up uh, splitting up and uh, ended up getting a divorce there at that time. And I think that was one of the reasons, you know, one of the reasons that my coaches stepped up so big was kind of, I don't know if, I don't know if they saw that I needed, you know, that, or I don't know what that was. Um, I'd love to have them on one of these days just to talk about their lives and talk about that time of my life for sure. And, um, but nonetheless, they, they just played such a huge role, um, in my life. And one of the biggest reasons that I ended up wanting to coach myself, um, was because of them and because of the time. And I saw how important they were in my life at that time. And, uh, what a big, big role they played in my life. And, uh, so Roy and Tom, if you're listening at all, or if you're out there, out there listening, uh, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure that you don't realize the impact that you had on people's lives, but you had a big impact on my life and I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you so much for stepping up and for filling that gap and for being there for me and showing me that love and support and, uh, encouraging me to be the best that I could be. Um, it means a lot. It meant a lot then and it means a lot now. So thank you. Um, yeah, high school, let's see. 
you know, it, it, you get to that like sophomore junior year it is when you know I continued to play soccer, continue continued to excel. This is when uh, our team we actually the first group of um, you know travel league kids kind of came up through the ranks and joined the soccer team, which allowed us to really excel. And we we did really well. We we competed in our conference. We went from my freshman year of losing like eleven to zero, thirteen to one, um, you know, twelve nine zero. I mean, those were some of the scores. It was terrible. It was rough. You know, it's the worst. Um, to you know, competing with some of these teams, and and we ended up tying for the conference championship. Uh, I think we won it once. I believe. I don't know. We, we tied it. We, we were up there at the top a couple times and which was really cool. It was a really fun experience and allowed us to, you know, to compete and allowed us to, to be in the game and to, to have those, those moments of, uh, glory, if you will. And very close group of guys. I really appreciated that soccer team and, and those guys who'd come over to my house a lot and we'd hang out, you know, one of my best friends at the time is, Freshman year was, you know, Andy, um, good old Andy, Andy Smith. And uh, then later on it was Dusty Adams and, um, man, you know, Ryan Hogger was, Ryan Hogger, not Hogger, Ryan uh, Hopperstock. Um, and uh, several other guys I know that I'm leaving out. So if they're listening, I really do apologize. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, you had those moments of that camaraderie and that group of people that you're allowed to, you know, spend that time with. It was then that I, you know, started to excel in wrestling. I ended up being part of Team Indiana my junior year, um, going into my junior year and then going into my senior year. And uh, my first year, I didn't do very well. I won my first match. I uh, bruised or or separated my ribs or cracked my ribs or something on my back. And uh, I lost all my matches after that my first year, which kind of sucked because I started off with a bang and felt really good. You know, you work really hard to get to that point. It sucks to have injuries. The next year, uh, I ended up doing both. I did Tim Indiana and I went to Fargo to wrestle individual nationals as well. And Fargo, uh, this is for Greco, Greco Roman wrestling and at, at, um, Oh, at uh, Team Indiana. So for the team aspect of things, I went four and two that year, and then when I went out to Fargo, I went two and two. Um, so didn't you know I didn't all American, didn't do anything like that, but I uh, felt very, very good about my success and and my ability to to wrestle out there, and um, you know continued to do that and that's been one of my passions is wrestling I, I love wrestling a lot it's taught me so much about life and I encourage anyone male female um or otherwise just to to give it a try it's uh teaches you a lot about life a lot about yourself and not accepting your limitations and into going for it um I ended up finding the school, Bethel College, now Bethel University, because of wrestling. Um, one of my, it was my, one of my family friends, it's, I would go train at their gym and he was assistant coach there and told me about Bethel and I went and checked it out and I fell in love with Bethel 
and unfortunately they ended up dropping their the wrestling program before my senior year so i ended up not you know deciding not to wrestle but i um i did uh put in my recruitment information for soccer and got a very small scholarship and i never made varsity it was on the the jv team you know for three years and it's my third year there that i decided that i was going to uh not uh, play and uh, I was just going to focus on school and, and getting done and moving on. Um, my junior year was an exhausting year. But yeah, I went to college. I studied nursing my freshman year. Uh, I was about halfway through my first year, that first uh, you know semester or whatever. And I was like, I don't think this is it. And I kind of talked about it before, but I, I decided that, um, well, I, I was going to be, I didn't get into the nursing program. Um grades weren't good enough slash I, I think it was my ACT score wasn't high enough. I needed to, you know, to retake that. I was off by like one point on one of my scores. And, um, so it was just a whole thing. And I just chalked it up as confirmation that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> and, uh, that, that wasn't for me. So I was really interested in counseling and counseling teens growing up. I had always, uh, I was really inspired by patch Adams, um, so Patch Adams, it's a movie, uh, with Robin Williams and, uh, I wanted to work, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to work, um, pediatric oncology. So work with kids with cancer. Um, you know, I had this connection with my mom having cancer and I loved kids and I, I loved, you know, making people laugh and smile. And that, that movie just, it changed, it changed me. It made me think about the world differently. It made me think about things differently. It still does. It's a beautiful book. Beautiful. Well, probably a book too, but it's a beautiful movie. Um, and that movie, there is actually still the Gesundheit, uh Institute. So if you're interested, check that out. Um, but yeah, so I was interested in counseling, counseling teens, you know, going through um, my experience with divorce. And, and through that uh, made me want to kind of... Um, I guess pour back in and, and to, to help people. I've always wanted to help people. I've always, it's always been a, something that I wanted to do for as long as I can remember. And so, yeah. And I ended up, I could go two different directions, you know, staying at Bethel, I could go, um, the psychology route, um, going to require the, um, you know, post graduate program uh, for counseling or the Christian ministries route when I was at a, you know, this Christian college, this liberal arts Christian college. And so I decided to go that direction. Uh, I, I want to learn more about the Bible and, uh, you know, growing up in the church, my dad was a pastor and all that. It seemed like the, the thing that I was interested in. And my, um, my advisor at the time was like, really sounds like youth ministry would be something you'd be interested in. And regardless, you've still got to go back and, and get your graduate degree and get counseling. So, um, you know, why don't you give that a try, take the classes for the first couple of weeks. And then if that's not what you want, we'll switch you over. I was like, okay, cool. So that's what I did. And I decided, so my sophomore year went into that full steam ahead and, um, had a good experience, you know, had a good, good time and was able to, you know, be a part of several different programs and, um, youth works and it's based out of Minnesota actually. Um, 
went to Milwaukee and, and helped with the logistics and operations of, uh, you know, inner city missions work and, and helping people. So we had different sites there and such a amazing opportunity experience. I love Milwaukee. It was a great place. And, uh, you know, came back and my junior year was, you've heard the story a thousand times, kind of when I started questioning a lot of things and questioning my faith and questioning, um, yeah, just what I believed. Um, my buddy Derek asked me, why do you believe that? And we were sitting there at lunch one day and I realized later, I didn't know at the time, I, I didn't have an answer, but I realized later that it was because that's what I always knew. Uh, that's all I had ever known. And, um, so kind of start of like trying to figure out what is it that I believe? What do I actually believe? And not just what do I know, but like, what do I believe? And, uh, that was the beginning of that process, which later led me down a different thing, different route, I guess, um, in my life. I finished my, you know, finished out school there, youth ministry, adolescent studies and youth ministry was my title of, um, my focus or my study, I guess, a liberal, liberal arts degree. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of opportunities there. I got to be a part of, it's where I learned about invisible children. Uh, I got to be a part of that, um, on campus group and help lead that, you know, uh, for a couple of years and which then, um, kind of opened the doors for me. I ended up going to Haiti my senior year with my buddies, Joel and, um, Nick. And we also had gone to Costa Rica, which was my first time kind of like getting outside of the country and, and, um, you know, exploring the world, I guess, which was really fun. Something that I had always wanted to do. And, uh, it was my first, first crack at, you know, uh, travel outside of the United States, which was really, it was an amazing opportunity. Thanks, Joel. Joel, I always give Joel my credit for all the crazy things I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, we jumped off a waterfall there, and I don't know, we just did some stupid stuff in our day. But, um, yeah, so this kind of led the way for me um, post-college. I, I ended up going to Haiti, spent two months there. I was supposed to help with the start of construction trade school, and, and that opportunity fell through actually the day before I left. And I just went, I was just going to go and I, I'd figure it out when I got there. Felt confident, cocky, arrogant, maybe naive, uh, to the struggles and to the, to just what I was getting myself into in some ways, but, um, ended up being for the best. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And I, I met Bobby Hoffner and, um, her and I, we ended up traveling, um, for that two months and you know i got to she introduced me to project teach uh, another great uh, group that's teachers that are helping other teachers in in haiti um kind of learning new techniques and um, empowering them to take different things back to the you know to their classrooms which is really really cool um got to just experience the culture i feel like most uh, that was the biggest thing i took from my experience in haiti um, was just experiencing the culture of Haiti and learned so much and, and got to experience so much. It was really cool. I'm excited to go back now that we live in Florida. It's one thing I really want to go back and I want to take my wife and be able to show her the different places and the beauty that exists in Haiti and 
you know, we think of some of these countries as these like poor, whatever desolate places. And it's not that they're, they're don't have pockets of that. It's not that they don't have that. It's not that it doesn't exist, but uh, the people are beautiful in, in your experiences and in the way you get to like just experience the world is, um, is beautiful and there's, there's beauty within all of it. So I'm really excited to be able to take her there and show her the country of Haiti. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Um, from there, I, I went straight. I had four days back at home and went straight out to San Diego and started working for Invisible Children, where I did two tours um, traveling around the country. So I, I worked in Deep South, which is actually where I'm at now. Uh, it was Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida where our, our, uh, was our territory. And I was in charge of Florida. And... Um, right where we're at right now <laughs> actually which is bizarre um and then uh my second one was midwest which was my like home area basically which is uh michigan indiana and ohio and so i got to do both of those uh tours and and then i ended up coming back and i um applied for and got the position of a lead intern um so we were supposed to be helping like helping with the interns and, and kind of like leading them. And I ended up taking over uh, the vans and uh, our fleet of vans. We had a bunch of different vans. And um, honestly, if I'm, if I'm completely honest, it was in an effort to not have to make cold calls to schools and places of worship and colleges. I, I really hated cold calls. They took, they were painful for me. Um, and so I really just took on that, that opportunity to uh, expand and grow Um you know, that process of the fleet coordinator. And I grew into that position and that ended up being my full-time position. And then I uh, ended up working as a fleet coordinator and in, in shipping. It was a shipping and fleet coordinator. So I took on a couple different roles that year um, with shipping and, and uh, making sure that our teams were getting the merchandise that they needed and, and being the liaison between um you know, the shipping department and the, uh, movement department, which was, you know, our, our, our tours, there was a, a gap there and I was able to fill that gap in. It was really awesome and develop that program with the, with the fleet. I ended up buying, uh, I believe I bought, ended up buying like six different vans for the company for, for invisible children at the time and, uh, getting those, you know, branded and, and, uh, painted and, um, the logos that we wanted on those vans and being able to take part in that process is transformational. Um, just giving me the opportunities that I had there. I would never have the opportunities anywhere else. And it was, it was a great opportunity for me. It's uh, one of the greatest um, experiences of my life was working on invisible children and be able to being able to be a part of that group. It was amazing. Um, I ended up leaving, you know, Invisible Children and, uh, moved to Minnesota where I lived with my best friend, Sam, um, and another one of our friends, a couple of our friends that were married, uh, Matt, who has since, um, he's since passed away. He, he took his own life uh, a couple of years ago and, um, you know, it's an unfortunate situation, um. Uh, you know, it's uh, got to 
I moved to Minnesota and, and he's who we lived with and Sam and uh, him and his wife and then their little baby Marley um, and his wife and Marley are doing well, still living in the Twin Cities. And so is Sam uh, with his wife and his two kids. And it's where I met my wife. And um, when I moved there, I started working for a company called Joyful Companions as a caregiver. And so I did 24-hour care and, and, and just different one-on-one care and transportation and whatnot uh, as a caregiver for uh, their different clients, uh, elderly seniors, mostly, uh, most of them all, not all of them, but a majority of them had, uh, some form of dementia, uh, or Alzheimer's. And so being able to spend time with them and kind of learn and grow and give back and help people. And then I decided I wanted to coach. It was something that I had, I really wanted to do. And I had done some coaching when I was in college and with wrestling and, um, I wanted to give back. So I, left that position and, and joined, uh, I started subbing, uh, in the schools. Uh, I started subbing in special education and then it allowed me to, to coach, uh, full-time, not full-time, but, um, fully be available to coach. I was a volunteer, full-time volunteer for four years. And then the last two years of my coaching career, I was able to get paid and, um, to do that as, you know, something extra that I, that I could do for, to better my life. And, better my career and um I don't know how to say that it sounded weird but there it is um yeah so I ended up you know working in the schools for the last uh pretty much four years of my time in Minnesota I worked in special education and worked at a couple different schools and um got out of substitute teaching fully and went into um working as a paraprofessional or I was a what was it classroom uh, I don't know some word that made it sound cooler than it was but um, education assistant too um, at a school in White Bear Lake in uh, Minnesota and now we're here fast forward to present day that was a little uh, synopsis of my life but you know one of these days maybe you can hear a little bit more about some of those different stories. I, I kind of fast forwarded through the last bit there. We're, we're running low on time, but, um, yeah, I, I think my life has been an adventure for sure. And it's always been trying to just find, find my place. And, um, you know, I, I'm continuing to do that and that's okay. But, I just know that I'm going to continue to give back and continue to, to do good. And, um, for you guys that are listening, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you so much for listening. I want to say thank you so much for supporting. Um, it honestly, it's like, it's an honor to have people give value to my voice and give value to this podcast and whatever sense that it is. Um, at the moment and just know that we're working on things Um, we want it to be more than just this and um, be able to give back again the big focus is to to do good and to make a difference in the world Um, I'm gonna wrap things up I want to say thank you so much uh, for listening I want to say 
yeah, I don't know. Just thank you. I, I really appreciate you all. If you enjoyed the show today, man, I'm slacking. I'm in my head. If you enjoyed the show today, visit us on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Tell us something you heard, something you liked. If you have a question about my life, if you have a question about you know, something on the podcast that was said or, or a comment about something that was said, please let us know. We want to hear. We want to know what you think. We want to know what you're uh, taking and what, what you're interested in. So if, if there's more about that that you're, you want to contribute and, and share, please let us know. We want to we wanna know what your thoughts are as well. If you want to go above and beyond, uh, get the word out and share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends, your family, random strangers. All are welcome. Please visit crazyfaceuno.com to buy our merchandise and donate. Your contribution helps us share more stories like mine and stories just like yours, allowing us to empower, love, and celebrate people, projects, and causes. We love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Peace.